apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones had first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. First talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin Onofrio. And the biggest story of week one in college football was Deion Sanders and his Colorado Buffaloes pulling off the huge upset over the TCU Horn Frogs, who got to the national title game last year. And it's just fitting that they kick off week two of the college football season. They'll be playing again in the big noon Saturday kickoff game against Nebraska. And in this game, let's be honest, I don't think, I don't think they'll have a problem in this game at all. I don't, I don't have no problem in this game. I think they cruise in this game. Uh, I think Sanders has a huge game. I think Travis Hunter has a couple pick as a pick and a, and a couple touchdowns. And I did not like what I saw in Nebraska against Minnesota. I'll tell you, I think the quarterback play was not good. He, uh, Jeff Sims with three picks. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, I got Colorado winning this one. I got Colorado winning this game, uh, forty-one to twenty. And I know I usually ask a question of the team I pick against, but we all know nobody cares about Nebraska. They care about Colorado. So the question I'll ask here is: Is can Colorado pick up? on where they left off from last week. Yeah, but they're actually going to play a team that plays a lick of defense this week, which... Ooh, look, so you actually I, think the game's going to be good? Yeah, I can't see that. This D, I know J- Jeff Sims looked like a quarterback has never played the position before. He did start at Georgia Tech, but he was awful. But again, I think they're going to be able to... I think they're going to be able to run the ball over Colorado. Nothing told me last week that Colorado cannot stop a run game. I, TCU should have ran the ball more than they did after going back and kind of watching it again. But, yeah, but I'll take TCU's really offense. Didn't. I'll take TCU's offense over Nebraska. Nebraska's offense was oh, awful yeah. last week. Yeah, no, I, I, I would too. Let's give Minnesota some credit defensively. That is a solid <laughs> oh, team. Yeah. A little, like, but Colorado, like, all right. We're going to find, I well, it would even, it, we're going to find out this week, Colorado's defense is in the top 80 or if it's like the bottom 20 range. Like, we're going to find out how – I mean, the defense does have their a – really They have the best – they got the best defensive player in the sport on their defense. They do. And Sanders is uh, – the other – Sanders uh, – the other kid at, at safety. Like, those two guys are pretty good, but they had no tackles pretty for good. loss. Travis, Travis Hunter's like the best player in, in, in – Oh, yeah. In, no, he's the best corner. He's the best corner in college football. Yeah, but you need more than just two guys in your defensive end. They have no yeah. depth offensively. That's what I worry about. And they won that game like they won the Super Bowl. Like, 
how do you come off of that? Now, now you guys, now it because it's a very early kick. It's a tan kick out in Boulder. Like that, that is an early. You don't think kick. they'll be ready? You don't think they'll be ready to go? I think they will, but that was a very emotional game on Saturday. Dion even was like, you know, do you all believe now? It's like Dion, that that was a great win, but you didn't win the national championship. You did, you know, great win, but it's only you're one and all. But you know, but look, you know, I, I that team's gonna be motivated. That team's gonna be ready to go, but. Nebraska's lost 26 games the last five years in one possession of games. Or, yeah, they've lost 26 games the last five years um, that are one possession ball games. Nebraska doesn't get blown out. Nebraska's probably going to find a way to lose this football game like they usually do. Yeah, I think Colorado wins, but I don't think this is a blowout. Like, I, you know, I get why they're in the top 25. I thought it was a little bit of a, like, that is a, they have some, you know, they have some dudes. You mentioned Travis Hunter, the, he played 129 snaps last week. And we have never seen anything like that because he's their number one option at the wide receiver position. When they need a big play, the ball is being thrown to him. And at cornerback, he's is the best D-back in, in the sport. Um, but I think Nebraska keeps this thing close. I, I really do. I really need to see this Colorado play, team play some defense. And look, you know, when they, they play Oregon in two weeks and then USC the week after, those two point totals – I'd be shocked that they're not over under 80 points, like, or more. Like, the, the USC game, that, that oh, may be a basketball score. That's going to be crazy. That, that game might be in the 60s. That's going to be one of the most entertaining yeah. games to watch all year, but that game's going to be in the 60s. But the big question is, is we talked about the Pac-12. Can Colorado, can Colorado compete in the Pac-12? Can they win the Pac-12? I don't think, I, I, I know I'm high on Colorado, but I'll even admit I don't think they they can win. I think they're going to finish fourth or fifth in the in the league. But I do think this is at least an eight win team or seven eight win. They're going to win at least seven. They definitely will win at least seven. All right, the games they might lose. Uh, the at Oregon was going to be a tough one. Obviously, the USC game will be tough. The uh, Oregon State at home. And I think they could beat Oregon State at home. You know, DJ played really well on Sunday. You're you're high on DJ. I'm high on the Beavers. I like you're that defense. The and and they go to Utah. So I, I I do think and they go to UCLA. But I, I think this is at least a seven win team. There's no way this team isn't going to win seven games. But I, I, I don't think they can win the Pac-12. And for the reasons you stated, their defense isn't that good. They're, 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 yeah, defensively, they're just not good enough. And, and teams like uh, Oregon and uh, USC and uh, even Utah and Oregon State will probably put up a ton of points on them. So, And it's, it's tough to go from – I don't care how much you change your team. It's tough to go from 1-11 to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to a national championship. But with this quarterback, this is one of the best. Shador Sanders, right now, I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I, 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 I think this is at least, at least a seven-win team. I think they're they're going to be an eight-win team. I think they're going eight and four. I don't think they win the Pac-12, but I think they're going eight and four. I'm right now. I'm at like six or seven. Because even Stanford, I watched Stanford. I know it's Hawaii, but they actually entered the 21st century offensively last week. Like Troy Taylor, he did a he. That you know, Stanford's not going to be walking the park either. I know that's a home game on a Friday night. Yes, you probably should win that football game, but I don't think Stanford be walking the park. Stanford was picked you for last like, in the Pac-12. Oh, they were because I think like nobody knew what they were expecting. It's one game. We're going to see Stanford play USC, and we'll have more answers. But that offense though, is better than what it's been. That offense is going to put up some points, I think, this year. UCLA, Dante Moore, the freshman they got, that kid's a stud. That. that he was an number one over recruit. You say it's not going to be easy. I pie my beavers. I could see them getting seven, the seven wins. The problem with me is Travis Hunter cannot play 129 snaps a game. What happens if he gets hurt? This team has zero depth. Oh, That's why I worry. If Travis Hunter gets hurt, they're in big trouble. Yeah, and look, if Stanford, the problem is, like, if Stanford could be somewhat competent in this conference, which is a question mark, you know, like Cal, I think is a better team. Like the in Arizona State, we'll see. They didn't look good the other night. I think top to bottom, the Pac-12 might be the best conference of college football this year. I, I think it really is. You're not high. You're not. You think the Pac-12 is better than the SEC? Yeah, after what I saw last week out of the three non-conference games they actually played, yes, those they wow, yo, yeah, listen, LSU. Let me see. I, I think you, you might you might have a point. You look you look at the top. You know, the top six teams, you look at a uh, USC, you look at a uh, Stanford, you know, I mean, I mean, Oregon, you look at Utah, 
Utah, you look at a Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. I mean, yeah, if they were Colorado's in a different conference, they probably maybe go nine and three or ten and two. You're right about that. I, yeah, you you might have a point because LSU losing. Yeah, you you might have a point, but I just think uh, with with how deep the wet the West is, though the SEC West is very deep. I, their worst I, team has I, as their quarterback returning. I'm still going SEC because I think Tennessee is a is still a really is still a really good team with Joe Milton and they got Georgia. I think there's like six, seven, or eight good teams. I think it's close, but I'll still go SEC. A slight, as you the slight edge over the Pac-12, but I'll give you this: in the, in, in the last year of the Pac-12, they probably have one of the best. This is going to be this is a great conference in the last year of the league. Yeah, it's very Pac-12 like to go out like this. Yeah, they're the first team, <laughs> first conference ever to go like twelve and zero since like is it nineteen thirty two? I think I read or something. It's something absurd. Wow. And I know they they played a lot of cupcakes, but they blew out a lot of those cupcakes. You know, like. Arizona this week, I wouldn't be shocked to go to Starkville and go knock off Mississippi State. I'm like, look at Utah did the Florida. They manhandled Florida up front. You know, like, LSU I'm concerned about. I am very concerned about that team. A&M will find a lot this weekend. Alabama will learn a lot, even though I'm, I will like what I saw. The East I'm not. South Carolina, they let North Carolina do whatever they want against one of the worst defenses in all the country last year. I'm not that high in the SEC this year. Yeah, you got Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee still. A&M looks better. Ole Miss looks like they could score. But, again, the question with Lane Kiffin seems are, could they stop anybody? The Pac-12, I, I think, top them because Jane Delore at Arizona is a very good quarterback. Arizona is going to be a bull team. They said two teams right now, like Arizona State, Stanford, might not be good. Washington State, I think, is going to be like a five, six-win team. Um, Cal, Cal, they got Auburn this weekend. I think they'll, I think Auburn's gonna beat them, but Cal, Cal got a lot of really good transfers outside the ball. Like, I'm high in the Pac 12 this year. I, SEC, I think, to be a little bit overrated this year. There's, you know, yeah, but, but, but look at the uh, top team. Look at, look at the teams in the SEC. All uh, with, with Georgia, with Alabama. I know I don't like to say LSU, but they're still a good, even though they got crushed on Monday night, they're still, they're still a good team. Te- uh, uh, Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. No, uh, no, 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 no. Ole Miss, uh, even Mississippi State, they, they have their quarterback returning. You got uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Arkansas has, still has their quarterback returning. So the SEC West is really deep. And then the top two teams in the uh, in, in the in the in the East with uh, I know it's a bad year for the East, but you got the top two teams with the uh, Georgia and Florida. They know Georgia and Tennessee. But then you look at the uh, you look at the Pac-12. You, you got you got a uh, USC, uh, Oregon, Utah, uh, Colorado. Uh, you got uh, you, you got a uh, who else who, who else am I missing there? Utah, Colorado, uh, or Oregon, USC, USC, or USC, Washington, USC, Washington yeah. looked Washington, really good. Washington, I missed Washington there. Yeah, but I'll take those seven or eight teams in the in the in the SEC over those teams in the Pac-12. But you you got it. It is close. And you know one thing you can't deny is the quarterback plays better in the Pac-12. Oh yeah, top to bottom. You know, like there's some yeah. James Delore is a guy nobody really speaks of. Cam Ward at Washington State, you know, he, he's going to be kind of – he'll have his spotlight this week on uh, ABC Saturday night against Wisconsin. I, I said a little bit ago about Dante Moore, that freshman. He's he's going to be really – he's really talented as well. Uh, DJ uh, U out of the Clemson transfer, he looked like a totally different quarterback. Like, I loved what I saw of him this weekend. So, yeah, you know, top to bottom, I think Pac-12, I, I think is right. I think it. I, to me personally, I think it will be the best. And yeah, the quarterback wise, the quarterback play in this conference, it's, it's going to be very fun to watch. The problem with the Pac 12 is, yeah, they might not get a playoff team because they always cannibalize each other. They always do. That and again, a lot. I think that like this year they will again. Yeah. I think it's yeah, going to happen again. That'll, that'll, probably, point, happen. that'll yeah, probably happen. That'll probably happen. Yeah, because they, they won't have a Georgia or Alabama that just dominates everybody else. There's a lot of really good teams that they're kind of all on the same playing field. And they all knock each other off, but people are like, oh, the Pac-12, because they 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 don't they never have that elite team. You know, I guess you could like USC plays a little that, defense. I guess you could put them on that, but the defense. But that's why I take the SEC. Game. But they take the SEC over yeah. them because the SEC has two of those elite teams in Alabama and Georgia. That's why I take the SEC over them. But yeah, no, they, they might not get a playoff team because of how competitive the conference is, and you get a team like FSU who who is probably could very easily get to the playoff because they play in the worst conference. In Power mm-hmm. Five conference in college football, so there's there, yeah, it's a very good chance that it could be you know Bama, Georgia, uh, FSU, and then either Ohio State, and Michigan. That'll probably be the four playoff teams now. Yeah, yeah, it it very well could be you know right now. Um, yeah, because yeah, the Pac-12. I just I'd love to see a Utah or Oregon. 
we'll find out a lot more about Washington in the coming weeks, but like their defense looked like Boise. I thought it was going to be a team that was going to compete with them. They did not. So yeah, it's going to be such a competitive conference, a quarterback play, but yeah, it's just, can one of these teams find a way to kind of go nine and zero in this conference and kind of stay on blemish? You're not yeah, going nine and zero in this conference. Yeah. No, that's no. I yeah, think, I think it's too tough. It's kind of ha- happening. Yeah, so that would be tough thing. Is, but yeah, is, Pac-12 would be fun. And the difference is between like Georgia's schedule and some of these Pac-12 team schedules is the SEC is mm. bigger, so Georgia doesn't play some of the better teams in the SEC. Where you got where this in in the, in the Pac-12, you're usually playing because you're playing. Not, I think the SEC they play eight conference games, and the Pac-12 yep. plays nine. And so there's only two teams you don't play in the conference. Where in the SEC, there's like four or five teams you don't even play in the SEC. So that's that is that is the difference. That is a big difference. Like Georgia's schedule versus like a USC schedule or Oregon schedule or Washington schedule or Utah schedule or even Colorado schedule. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, USC, Washington, USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah. Those four schools are all playing against each other. Like it's not like USC is getting a bye against Colorado and. And like Washington State, like they're all playing the top team. So yeah, like Georgia, like I don't think Georgia's gone to Texas A&M yet since they've entered the conference. Like they only, you know, um, yeah, I'm trying. To, I don't think they have. Yeah, like they play Alabama every couple of years. Like LSU. Like I know with the pods, I think they're going to change it, but it still sounds like they're going to play eight games right now. So you know, yeah, that that's the thing is they avoid Alabama most years. They avoid an A&M. They just played LSU a couple of years ago, so they, you know, I, I don't. I'm still not there yet on the whole how the pod schedule thing's going to work. But, you know, but, yeah, so, like, they don't play Alabama LSU every year. You know, their crossover was Auburn every year. And Auburn's a decent – but Auburn always goes through those peaks and valleys. This year, Hugh Freeze, maybe they'll be better. Peyton Thorpe, he's an okay quarterback. You know, he's not great. But, yeah, you know, that was a great point. The the Pac-12, the scheduling-wise, yeah, it's – Pac-12, it's – you know, you only – you don't play two of the teams every year and – you know, especially in this year where there's and they no really basement and they, they kind of make sure that USC plays Oregon, Utah, Washington. They don't, you know, so that's kind of the thing. And yeah, so like, you know, the top teams are playing the top teams of the conference, which again makes it funner. But yes, it does hurt for trying to get one of those teams in the playoff. But I do like how they make them go through it, you know. Um, but it's tough. It's just so sad how this conference can get a TV deal. So entertaining. It's so sad, but that's another story for another day. But before we wrap yeah. up with Colorado, we got a, we got a, I got a question about Dion. Is he right now the biggest star in college football? And I think it's pretty obvious he is. I think he definitely is the biggest star in college football. After that game, everybody was talking about Deion Sanders. The stuff he was saying at halftime, then after the, then after the game, everybody was talking about Deion. So right now, I clearly think he's the biggest star in college football. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw the ratings. Actually, before we came on the show uh, at one o'clock, and I think the ratings for that game, I think, was got. I think the peak was like seven million or whatever. It was so they got seven million for a week one game to a TCU Colorado. I think was the third highest out of um out of the weekend, so or the second. So yeah, you know, I, I think it, again, it's great for the sport. And look, if he does win like eight games this year, he's not going to be Colorado very long. He's going to be in an SEC school. What SEC school that is? I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, my my bold one would be yep. Florida in a couple of years. He's not happy Florida State. Right. He won that Florida State job. He would love oh, to but, fight but them. I don't know if a Seminole is going to coach for the Gators. I don't know about that. He's, he, he said last week he ain't a Seminole. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted oh, that Seminole wow. job oh, a couple wow. years ago. Oh, wow. So, wow, wow. That would be my now, bold they, one. You want a bold they, one. They gave, they, they gave it to Norvell, but I'm telling you, if Dion's coaching the Seminoles, they're in the college football playoff guaranteed. I like Mike Norvell. No offense to Mike Norvell, but if Deion Sanders coaching Florida State, they're going to the college football playoff guaranteed. Oh, yeah, because they had Hunter. They had Travis Hunter committed originally. Oh, yeah. I Could believe. you imagine yeah, so, Jordan Travis, yeah. Keon Coleman, and Travis Hunter on the same team? Now, now Jordan mm-hmm. Travis may not be the quarterback. She, uh, Sanders would be, but there's really the big of a difference between those two, and they'd have Travis Hunter mm-hmm. on their team. Yeah, they, they'd yeah. be a college football playoff team easily, easily. They'd win the ACC easily if Dion was coach. Oh, yeah, especially what we've seen. Well, you know, North Carolina maybe, but, yeah, they, they'd be the runaway favorite in that conference. So, yeah, Norvell's done a heck of a job. You saw it Sunday night. They manhandled an SEC team. But, yeah, if he was there, that's, that's my bull prediction. He's not going to be at Colorado very long. Napier, where I saw Thursday night, I don't think – I don't know if he'll get fired this year, but maybe next year. Colorado has another good year in the Big 12. I could see Florida go, you know, trying to go grab him because he's not going to be at Colorado much longer. He he's not. If this thing goes the direction that 
kind of seems like it it really will and you know yeah yeah he yeah he's the biggest will. star and that you know going back to him he's, being the biggest star oh yeah and, uh, let me tell you i think the, the Colorado nebraska game will outrate texas alabama it'll outrate texas alabama just because of Dion. yeah um it's gonna even be neck and neck the, even though they're playing nebraska i think that colorado game is gonna outrate him because people want to watch colorado people want to watch this colorado team yeah the only thing is west code because it's 9 a.m Maybe yeah. there's a little dip in that where Saturday night more people are tuned in. But I could totally see it. I think those two games are going to be neck and neck this weekend. Because, um, yeah, they're two great showdowns. But, yeah, everybody kind of wants to see this show. And, look, Travis Hunter is what Shoei Otani is in baseball. Like, yeah. he's a stud. You know, he's a stud on both ends. I know Charles yeah. Woodson did it in 97, but he was not Michigan's first option as a wide receiver. He was more of their no. gimmicky type receiver. So, yeah, what Hunter's doing is something we've never seen, just like Otani has in baseball. So, it's incredible what he's doing. And I, again, he's the number one overall recruit. So, like, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but to see him make impact plays like he did both ways was stunning, especially in football, because it's just something we have. I know Miles Jack did a couple years ago at UCLA, but he was their backup running back. He was their starting linebacker, but he was not their <coughs> first team running back. So, it's something you don't really see a lot. You see it a ton in high school, but not really at the college level. Nope, 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 nope. Not at all, not at all, not at all. Now we will move on to the Texas-Alabama game. It's the rematch of a game last year that Alabama won by uh, by, by the skin of their teeth, 120-19. And, and Quinn Ewers got hurt in that game, too. So a lot of people argue if Quinn Ewers would have played, uh, Texas would have beaten Alabama, Alabama. But I think this is a really, really close, competitive game. I, I do think Texas has the better quarterback. But I think Milroy looked pretty good last week. I think he'll not play, obviously, as well, but I think he'll be he'll play – Pretty well in this game. He might have a turnover, but I do think Alabama's defense forced the turnover of Quinn Ewers. I think this is close and competitive. It comes down to the end like last year, but I do think Alabama comes out with the win. I got Alabama 27-24 over Texas, but Justin, can Texas get revenge over what happened last year against Alabama? No, I got the tie 24-20. to They have not lost a regular season non-conference game since uh, since you know, Louisiana Monroe went in there and uh, knocked them off. And Saban's first year, so was that no, that was um, 07. Yeah, 07. Yeah, so um, early, yeah, or was it year two? It was either 07 or 08. Um, yeah, but like they have not lost a regular season, not conference game since that, since at least 08. So it's been 15 years. So I think Alabama finds a way in this game. Alabama's going more back to the old school. That's why they brought in Tommy Reese, the former Nordane uh, offense coordinator, ground and pound type. And Jalen Milrow, he's a physical guy. Um, and he's such a great athlete as a quarterback when he gets out in space. And I thought he threw, I, I agree with you. I thought he threw some really nice deep balls last week. He had a nice 45 yard, uh, you know, bomb down the field for a touchdown. Um, look, we didn't learn too much about the wide receivers last week. Middle Tennessee lost their top cornerback from last year. This will be the test, but you know, Quinn Ewers, Texas, again, they might've been prepping for Alabama. They, you know, for the last three weeks, I mean, not paying attention to rice, but, you know, Quinn Ewers was over four um, on his downfield passes. Like, they weren't crisp at all. Like, and it, they got out to a slow start last week. Um, and Alabama, like, in Texas offensive line this week, we're going to find out um, if they've taken the next X. I think Alabama's got, you know, one of the – might be the best, but it's it at least in the top two, top three defensive lines in the country. This is Saban's most physical team in a while. Um, he's kind of gone back to that style this year. And, you know, I expect Alabama to win this football game, but I do expect this one to be competitive close. Um, and then an injury note too, for the tide, two of their top three corners, Malachi Moore and Jalen key got hurt on Saturday. They're both still day to day. I don't know if they're going to play now that will help Texas out. Um, look, but Sarkeesian, then the last thing Sarkeesian, he knows kind of, what Saban likes to do defensively. He kind of knows how he likes to scheme things. Could, can, um, use, can Sarkeesian use kind of what Saban likes to do, uh, you know, um, to kind of help him out and to kind of scheme like Xavier Worthy open. Like they got three terrific wide receivers and Worthy, um, Adon Mitchell and, um, Jonte Cook third or they're the second. Like they got some talented wide receivers. Can they make some big plays and explosive plays? I, I think it's be very difficult. And I think the tide find a way at home to knock off the uh, Longhorns. Yeah, I mean, Alabama has the better run game and defense, but Texas has the, the better pass game. So Alabama's not going to blow them out. I think the way Alabama's going to play this year, they're not going to blow a ton. They're not gonna, I mean, 
they'll, they'll, they'll beat teams. They won't beat teams the way they they've been beating them. There won't be a ton of blowouts. I think, I think there'll be a lot of there'll be there'll be closer games, more defensive games, more games. In, and with the new rules in college football, I mean, more games in the twenties. So I, I do think this is a game where they run the ball well. But I think the difference is in this game is going to be. I know Texas is the better quarterback and the better passing game, but I think the difference in this game is going to be is I think Milroy is going to make less mistakes than yours, and Alabama being at home is definitely a key as well. So that's why I think in a close one, Bama does pull out pull it off against Texas. And Sarkeesian, let's be honest, he has never really never has he really ever won a big game since he's been at Texas. Not really. No. No, I can't count Oklahoma like that forty nine nothing drumming. No, like, no, Oklahoma was terrible so, last year. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. I, he hasn't. He's. I said this a couple weeks ago. He has not won ten games as a head coach at Washington, at USC, now at Texas. Those are three very good programs. Like he, this is a year to get over that hump, and this would be a huge one for him. Um, look, they could still go eleven and one, twelve and one, big win the Big Twelve. Maybe they sneak into that playoff. But you know, this Texas team this year that a lot of expectations this year and. This is a big one. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get blown out tonight. But, yeah, I, I think Alabama's going to be a little bit more physical than them up front. And, yeah, I just – same as 28-2 against his former assistants. I, and I don't think Sarkeesian's good enough as a hood coach out, to out-coach Nick Saban. I, I, don't, I, don't think that, I don't see that happening. No, no, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. That's why I think Saban gets the win on Saturday night. But we will move on to the game in Raleigh this week as Notre Dame faces off with NC State. And I think the game will be competitive for a little while, but I think Notre Dame will pull away in the second half. There's no way I'm taking Brennan Armstrong to be uh, Sam Sam uh, Sam Howell. No, NC State could have. I know UConn's better, but they almost lost to UConn last week. The UK, that was a, that was a competitive game for a while against UConn. This is a major step up in competition, facing Sam Howell and NC State. That's why I you know I mean Sam Howell and Notre Dame, and that's why I got the Irish going to three and zero, beating NC State thirty one twenty. But Justin can. Brennan Armstrong lead NC State to an upset win in Raleigh on Saturday. I think this is going to be a close one. I got the uh, Wolfpack going down wow. from 27 to 20. You know, I think it's going to be close. I know yeah. the only thing I was concerned about after that UConn-NC State game was NC State's off at the line a little bit. I, You know, UConn's defense line did a really good job. And, I, you know, UConn's better up front this year. Like, you could, you could see it, you know. You can see they, the talent level is kind of getting there for the Huskies, you know, and, and yeah, the the one thing, you know, but Armstrong's such a great runner. I didn't understand why UConn did not throw a spy on him. Um, kind of made no sense. He's a decent passer, but again, like this is the thing with a lot of these teams going into this, you know, into this week, like Notre Dame played Navy and Tennessee state. I don't really know, like Sam Hartman's tore him up. Their defense has played well, but like, you know, I, we're going to find out a lot of questions. Uh, you know, we're going to figure out some of these questions a lot, you know, this week. Um, but I, I, I like NC, I think NC State's going to keep it close. That's a tough place to go to. NC State's going to be fired up for this one. You know, Brandon Armstrong is a good quarterback. He's not great. Um, you know, but I, I, I expect the Wolfpack to keep this close. And Nordane's, they're, they've won the last 28 games against AC opponents in regular season. Like they've been very good against them. Hartman's, He's got six touchdowns to six INTs. His complete percentage is right under 60% against the Wolfpack. They've seen him a lot. They've seen his tapes um, at week four. So it's a different offense, yes. Um, but I think the Irish have a little bit more talent offensively, and they will find a way to win this football game. We got the Utes heading to Baylor, coming off their win against Florida last week. They're heading to Baylor. Baylor had a really bad loss to Texas State, even though you're a big fan of the Texas State coach. Uh, they had a bad loss to Texas State. Texas State. And I think – I think Utah wins this game, and I think Utah – Cam Rising might not play, but I still think even if Cam Rising plays or not, Utah wins it by double digits. I think Baylor's defense was terrible last week. I think they continued to, to not play well. And I get Utah 30-20 to 20 over Baylor on Saturday. But, Justin, yeah, get yeah. Baylor bounced back from their loss last week. No, I got the U's 27-17. I Yeah, their secondary is not great. Now, without Cam – Cam Rising was um, cleared yesterday to participate participate in full activities i don't know if he's still gonna play or not this weekend i don't think they're gonna need him you know what texas state did to kind of expose baylor was in their secondary like baylor couldn't guard any of the bobcats wide receivers utah's not gonna do that like utah's gonna kind of especially if um riding is a play with barnes who's more more of a runner um they're gonna run the football against them so i don't think they'll expose them in that way but Baylor's off in the line too was just it was it was ugly and I think they're gonna have a hard time um, 
stopping. Uh, they're going to have a hard time stopping Utah's defensive line. That I know last year they had some struggles at times, but it, it's it's back to what we kind of expect the Kyle Winningham team to be. And Baylor's starting quarterback Blake Shapin is going to be out for the next two to three weeks with a um it, with a um hamstr um M uh, with an MCL sprain. So it's going to be the uh, Mississippi State transfer Sawyer uh, Robertson, who's not played a lot of football. Um, and he was six for 12 the other night with a pick against, against the Bobcats. So I think Utah offensively, I think they do the same thing they do with, uh, against Florida last week. They kind of just keep them at arm's length. They don't blow them out, but they kind of convincingly win the football game. We got old Miss traveling to Tulane. Are they playing the game in Tulane? Or yep. They're playing Tulane. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So it's at Tulane. Oh, wow. Wow. So they're playing yep. it at Tulane. So I think this is going to be a good game for maybe a quarter or two, but I think it, Ole Miss pulls away in the second half. I think with their with their quarterback Jackson Dart and with the running back they got Juggins, I think they pull away in the second half. As we know, Tulane won the Cotton Bowl last year, but they don't have Tajay Spears anymore, and I think that's going to hurt them in this game. I got Ole Miss beating Tulane 34 uh, 20. I would not have to. I know Tulane won the Cotton Bowl, but I would not have the number twenty four in the country. But can they pull off a huge pull off an upset over Lane Kiffin this week? You gotta put some respect in Tulane's name. <laughs> this is a good football team. Willie Fritz and his How staff. That's one of the best. You, you're the a big Willie Fritz guy. Staff. You like oh, Willie he Fritz? He should have got the Georgia Tech job. Should have got that job but, at but least. The, the problem with me is they don't have their best player from last year anymore. No, they don't. But Michael Pratt, their quarterback, is South. They I know it's South Alabama, but that's a South Alabama team that should have been UCLA last year, and they had 19 starters back. They blew them out of the water, and everybody said that was a trap game for 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 uh, Tulane. They blew them out of the water. So I want to pick Tulane. I don't think they're going to win this game either just because their defense still – like they lost two of their three best guys on the defensive end last year and for their final five games last year. They gave up 400 yards. And Ole Miss put up 73 points. I know against Mercer, but that's an FCS team that's still in the top 25. Like they blew out a respectable FCS opponent. Jackson Tart looked really good. Jacon Jenkins played well. And there's – and I don't – and Zaire um, Franklin, who the – UTSA transfer. I don't think he's in a practice yet this week. They won't be without him, but I don't think it matters. I think I think Ole Miss wins this one 38 to 31. I just think Ole Miss got way too much offense with Tulane. I think Tulane's gonna put up points against Lane Kiffin in that offense and that defense, but it just won't be enough to keep up. I was impressed with Jackson Dart um last week. He played really well. And I'm I'm gonna take uh Lane Kiffin and the Rebels to go on the road to knock off the green wave. Green wave. So talk so talking about Lane Kiffin and this Ole Miss offense, are they the biggest threat? Seeing what happened with LSU last week, are they the biggest threat to Alabama and the SEC West? Right now, I might go A and M. I know it's really, surprising really, to you. Really, I'm really, Jimbo really, uh, and Petrino take the key to that offense. Wow, 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 wow! I because wow. I don't like Ole Miss defense still. LSU, I. They got punched in the mouth, and I think Alabama's going to – especially that's a revenge game. Alabama's going to punch them in the mouth and Tuscaloosa, and I think LSU's probably going to lie down again. So I put A&M – I think right now it's a and Again, we'll wow. find out because I think they – I know we'll get to that, but I, I think they beat Miami this week. I was very impressed with the uh, Aggies, and I know I've been very hard on Jimbo the last couple of years, but I think he finally got rid of some of his stubbornness this weekend. Wow, and now we're going to go to that game, Texas A&M. And Miami, and I think Miami, I'm, I'm going to go opposite. I think Miami pulls the upset. I think Tyler Van Dyke plays really well. I think Miami pulls the upset here. I'm going to go with Miami in the upset against AM. I just don't trust that AM's offense is back. I don't trust that AM's offense is back. And I'm going to go with the Connecticut kid, Tyler Van Dyke, to lead the Hurricanes to the upset win. But seeing what you just said, you, you got Texas AM winning their second in a row against the Canes. Yeah, I was very impressed with uh, Connor Wegman. He played well at the end of last year, too. Like, this team knocked off LSU at the end of last season. He kind of, you know, like, they, they played well. And for me, too, like, Van Dyke was, what, what, um, he was one for four from his downfield pass last week. Like, I don't know what it is with him, but I just, I haven't, like, since Chris Balls took over, like, I just, I, he hasn't been as good as that staff that, um, you know, now that, that, um, you know, SMU, I think Rhett Lashley was his OC his freshman year, and he hasn't been that great since. And I think I, I like what I saw more from AM than I did with Miami. And uh, Connor Wegman, you know, I think plays well. They're six foot six big play wide receiver. Evan Stewart, you know, they still have um, Anu Smith, their 
you know, another solid number two wide receiver. I think AM is better. I think they got I think they got dudes still up front as well. Like I a lot of those freshmen are now sophomores, and I and I know it was New Mexico, but I thought I did see so this some of these guys improve last week, and I and I think the talent's there. And I just I for how much I am critical 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 of Jimbo Fisher, I even more of Mario Cristobal. And you know, whoever, whatever team loses this game, it's kind of going to feel like it's last year again. And I think right now, AM is a better team than Miami. All right. And we got a Pac 12, Big 12 matchup on Saturday night as Oregon faces Texas Tech. And uh, I think this is a game that Oregon wins. And I think they win, they win it pretty big. I think they, Texas Tech couldn't beat Wyoming last week because I like Josh Allen still playing for Wyoming. Texas Tech couldn't beat Wyoming last week. I just don't think they're beating they're 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 beating uh or Bo Nix and Oregon. I got Oregon winning this one for I think Bo Nix is a huge game. I got Oregon winning this one 41-24 over the Red Raiders. But Justin, is there any way Texas Tech could bounce back after what happened against Wyoming last week? You like Texas Tech coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I I'm gonna take them this week. Whoa, I'm going whoa, to whoa. whoa! You say you like the Pac 12 so much that you're taking a team out to Wyoming to beat Oregon? They went up 17 nothing, then 20 to 3. There's a lightning delay. Laramie Wyoming's not easy. High altitude, there's a lightning delay. They've won their last four games. Wyoming's have won their last four games when a Power 5 team's gone up there. That, you know, Wyoming, Craig Bull's done a terrific job with that program. And Texas Tech, that I even said it when I kind of said Texas Tech should be in the top 25 you know, a couple weeks ago. That was a trap game. That was a total trap game. for. That was a bad spot for Texas Tech to be playing in that football game. Look, I, I know Oregon, look, 81 points against Portland State. Portland State's one of the worst FCS teams in the entire country. Um, They're bad. Tyler Shuck, the Texas Tech starting quarterback, he's a former Oregon quarterback as well. You know, like that, it's a revenge game for him. You know he wants them. Again, there's a lot of expectation on Texas Tech. All that kind of goes away. You start 0-2 this week. Um. And I, I think Tech Tech, they got some big play receivers, Jared Bradley, Dre McRae. Um, I, I think Texas Tech, I think they're ready to go, and I, I think they bounce back. Again, Oregon looked good, but I'm still – I do still have some question marks about that defense. I'm going to take the Red Raiders. I think, I think this team – Lubbock's not easy. We've seen teams go down there, and they lose. I think this week that Red Raiders bunch is uh, going to find a way to bounce back and knock off the uh, Ducks. All right, we'll wrap up talking about Wisconsin and Washington State. We've got a Big Ten Pac-12 matchup on Saturday night. And I think this is a close game, but I think the running game of Wisconsin makes the difference. I think the running game of Wisconsin, they force Ward to turn the ball over a couple of times. The run game and defense of Wisconsin makes the difference. And that's why I got Luke Fink- Finkel's team going to 2-0, beating Washington State 27-20 on Saturday night. But, Justin, can Washington State pull off, beat a Big Ten, beat a ranked Big Ten team on their home field? I think I think they go down. I think it's another close one, but I think Wisconsin finds a way this week to knock them off. You know, it is a, you know, like Wisconsin last year was a better team. They outgained the Cougars uh, 401 yards at 253, you know, in total offense, and they had the ball for over 30 minutes last year. But again, they they lost two fumbles. They had an interception. Um, and they missed two field goals. They lost 17 to 14. Like they were the better team that day. They just found ways to lose a football game. And yeah, with Wisconsin's running game. Um, you know, with Brandon now who had a 141 yards last week, and then also in um, you know, Chaz um, Missoula, who had 159 yards. I didn't think Mordecai played great. Like I think Cam Ward on the other side, the Washington State transfer. I think he's a better quarterback right now than um, Tanner Mordecai, and I think he'll make some plays in this game. But it's supposed to be a nice evening in Pullman. It's supposed to be like 80 degrees, no rain, like you know, good weather game. Um. I think Washington State's going to make some plays. First time they're hosting a Power Five non-conference game since like 99, 1999. But I got, I think right now Wisconsin's a little bit better than the Cougars, but it should be a good one. And I got Wisconsin find a way to knock them off this week. Yeah, definitely should be a good game between those two teams. But the Martian has landed in New York. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock home inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. 
We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. ...has landed in New York. Uh, for the Yankees, and how about that? The week, the week he hit against the Astros. First at bat, he had the two-run homer, put him up three nothing, and then on Sunday night he had the big home run, put him up three to one, and it just just he's been outstanding. And, and all, all the kids have. I know Peraza and Pereira have struggled, but you saw Austin Wells getting that uh, getting that RBI double on Sunday night. So the, the, the big thing is is first 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 before we get into how bad the GM screwed this up, we'll talk about what were your thoughts on Dominguez this weekend. I thought he looked really good and. For a guy who's had comparisons to Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle, he did not seem to face. They hit Verlander his first pitch. Uh, they hit a home run off of that. It was very impressive. For a 20-year-old kid who – he loves that nickname. He's got – you know, like, you know, that it doesn't seem to phase them. So, look, and I think it sparked a lot of energy for that team, and, and it, it was awesome to see. And I thought Austin Wells, I know they were afraid of – can he catch at this level? I thought he called three really good games over the weekend. I didn't think he made too many mistakes behind the play. Like, I, I thought he did a very good job. So, I'm very excited for Dominguez, Wells. Um, and, again, they're fun to watch again. And, you know, I'll, I'll save it for our GM talk. But, yeah, I, I love Dominguez. And I know it's been a kid that, since the Yankees signed him at 16 years old, we've been, you know, every Yankee fan has been waiting for his debut. And he did not, he did not disappoint against the Astros this weekend. Now let's get to the negative. What, how, how big of a mistake was this by Cashman not to bring these guys up? Should have Cashman brought these guys up earlier? And it's so obvious that he should have. I, I don't get how he didn't see this at like at like when they were losing to the when they were losing series to the Rockies and the Angels. I don't get how he didn't see this, or they were splitting series with the Mets. I don't get it. I just don't get it all how he how he didn't see that these guys were ready. These guys were ready to go, and we were watching you know Billy McKinney, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa. Uh, uh, Kyle Agashioka. I don't even know the K- Garrett Cole's personal catcher's name. Who cares? Worth he won't that. be here. Oh, he won't be there too Worth long. Uh, we, I, I don't even care. I, who cares? Who cares that is Billy McKinney, Jake Bowers? Why were we watching these guys and not seeing these younger guys? And they're doing better with these younger guys. It makes no sense. It's why Brian Cashman. I know he's not going to get fired, but he should be fired for what he did this year. These guys should have been up, up a month earlier, at least at least a month earlier than they were up. It's embarrassing that these guys weren't up earlier. It's it's absolutely embarrassing, and it's a hundred percent on this general manager. I know why. I know. I know why he didn't call them up. Why? The analytics. They don't fit their analytics. Oh That's the God. only because oh, even geez. Hal's press conference, even what I've read, this was Hal's oh, call. Hal told Brian to do this. This was Hal, not Brian. Wow, wow, crazy. So, it's 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 why this it's yeah it's why they had the they have they've had the season they've had. Think about it. This team was not built for this season. For this with the stolen base rule with the pitch clock, 
again, Dominguez could steal bases. Everson Pereira could steal bases. Oswald Peraza could steal bases. Wells is a decent runner for a catcher. Like, Wells is a catcher. You know, he's not great. But look, the judge is the first or third dealer night. He looked really good running the bases. Dominguez can run. They they don't – Dominguez with a couple doubles. Like, they're not, you know, they'll hit the ball in the gap. Like, they're not home run or nothing, guys. Dominguez is a switch hitter. He could, you know, he's bad lefty. That's a big hole in this Yankees lineup that we don't have a lefty. Wells is a lefty. All the analytics things that – have held the Yankees back this year. Because think about it. Outside of Volpe and, like, IKF, they don't really have a stolen base guy. Judge can't steal some base, but obviously they don't have him do that a ton. Like, again, it it's I, that's the only thing I could think of is because these kids did not fit in their – fit the analytical plan that the front office wants to run every out there every day. That's what I – that's the only thing I could think of because this was house call, not Bryant's. It's crazy. It's it's crazy that 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 happened. You know, it's just you know this team. You know, they bring these guys up. They could be in the race. And I'm listen. I know they're still mathematically in it, but they're not gonna make the playoffs. These guys would be in the race if if they get brought up. But a good thing I heard yesterday, and someone somebody said this is that what these guys do does not really matter now. When it really matters is next year. I think that's true because you look at Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge. Remember 2016. Gary Sanchez was red hot and Aaron Judge wasn't. But what ended up happening in 2017, Aaron Judge was great, and that's what ended up mattering. And then Gary Sanchez, after 2017, his career fell off. So realistically, yeah, these guys are all, – all of these guys, Dominguez, Wells, I know they've helped them win, but all they're doing right now is they're earning spots in the roster next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is – who brought this up? Was it John Boy? I think the other day. He's like, he was kind of saying this is like a fall training. You know, like, that's yeah. pretty much what it is. Like, this is what it is for these kids, and it's great to see them. And, yeah, I think what, you know, they they, they want to get the 87 wins. I think they got to go, like, 19-5, and five, something like that, like, or 19-4 to get to that 87 win mark, which, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And you know, so, uh, but, yeah, like, you know, it, it's a big thing for next year. Yeah, these guys trying to earn the spots. And, look, you know, one of the things for Judge, yeah, after his rookie year, remember, he went out and got his own hitting coach. You know, like he went outside the organization. That's another thing as well. Um, you want to put a bonus on the organization? Like he got, you know, like he, he went outside to get help. And, yeah, you know, Pereira, you know, I, I know the average is like 143, but I think he's had some good at-bats. Dominguez as well. You know, he's been playing really well. So, yeah, you know, these, these guys got to continue to play well down the stretch here. You know, they have a Detroit team that they've – played well against this year like you know hopefully expect you know you can win the next two um but yeah like it's continue to kind of just grow you know get the at-bats you know see the field kind of of, just kind of continue to play and because again this doesn't matter for even though it never should for the yankees like it doesn't hurt their um their clock of you know seven years so like you know you throw them out there every day and yeah you know hopefully it it turns into um you know this this, this group here kind of turned things around because you could see the energy is there now. You bring up a bunch Absolutely. of 20 kids in the mid 20s, and they're one, now one of the younger teams, like in the sport, because of it. And beforehand, they were one of the oldest. So it, it, it helps infusing energy like, like they have. And the thing is, is it would have mattered for these guys. It would have meant more for these guys if they got brought up at the right time. If they got brought up in July, if they got brought up in the beginning of August, it would have mattered because these guys could have helped save this season. But now it doesn't because the GM wanted to, you know, put, you know, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney and Kyle Gagashioka and Cole's I'm – I'm just I'm going to say him by name – Cole's personal catcher out there instead of putting the young players out there. And that's why Brian Cashman, as I said earlier, should not be the general manager next year. But he is because Hal's just going to want him to keep doing it. And he's going to bring this up. Look, look at the prospects we got. Look at the prospects we got. This was mm. just one bad year. They're going to make excuses, which is is not good for the organization to bring Brian Cashman back. But the positive is is that these young players aren't playing well. But I hope, I wish there is a new general manager, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Hal said too, he's going to bring in a um, a third party here to kind of, you know, go through the um, the baseball operations things here to kind of evaluate the analytic department. So, 
they are going to make some changes. They might, they like, they might fire the analog, some of the analog people that we never have heard of. We may never hear if they actually fire them or not, but like, I think Hal's going to make some changes. Like I, I like, it sounds like to the analytical stuff. I, I think Hal's finally kind of realizing like, look, and the last thing too is from what I've read too in the press conference, Hal was the one that kind of stopped Brian from even trying to go for the sink. How's because Hal knew the track record of Brian the last couple trade deadlines. So Brian probably comes back, but I, I do think Hal's probably like I think maybe there's a little bit of like Brian, you better turn this thing around quickly or I might have to make a change. Like I, I do think Hal's kind of waking up to the idea here. Maybe Brian's not the guy, but maybe changing the front office a little bit, changing kind of the way they do things analytically. Maybe this is that maybe that's Brian's kind of final chance. I that's kind of what I'm reading it, like kind of reading into but we'll see but yeah like if they call these guys up earlier this could be a different story especially with the way the rangers have fallen off like you, you could be right there right now so yeah it's disappointing but hey you know hopefully they can keep that 500 streaker better kind of going you know at this point we'll see we'll see i really don't care i don't, I don't care if they keep the streak going it's a disappointing season regardless if they keep yeah. the streak going or not but we are going to wrap up talking about the Red Sox, and they lost a brutal, brutal game last night to the Rays. A Kenley chance to give up a walk-off home run to Brandon Lau, and the Red Sox right now are five games out of the last wild-card spot. It seems like, you know, since they got the, the sweep, the, 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 the reason the Red Sox are, in the, are where they are is because they got swept at home to the Blue Jays and the Astros. I mean, they got a good win on, uh, on they, 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 since, but since that Astros series, it's just been up and down. And I think that the Orioles series is key this week. If they want to keep this thing alive, the Orioles series is key, and Sales got to pitch pitch well like he did against the Royals, and Bellows got to pitch well like he did against against the uh, the Rays on Monday. The, the, those those are they got to take two out of three against these against Baltimore. They got to be in striking distance. There is a stretch. Uh, uh, there is a stretch where they play six games against Texas and Seattle, two teams that that are ahead of them in the wild card standings right now. They have to be, I'd say, at least only three or four games behind for them to have a chance. If they're five, six, seven back, they're not going to have a chance. That's why this, these next couple games, these next couple games against the Yankees and Orioles and against the Yankees and Orioles are crucial to keep them in striking distance uh, to get a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, you know, yeah, it's big this week um, to knock out, get a couple or at least one against the O's. And then you got the Yankees who they've owned. And yeah, like the way Texas is playing, like they've fallen off the map and, the Blue Jays are, you know, Blue Jays have been playing better in a lot. They're seven and three in the last 10. So, yeah, you know, if they kind of, you know, go out there, they went four or two. It might be a little, you know, like five. You might even have to go five and one at that point. But, yeah, you know, the thing is, like the bullpen last night was good again. You know, besides Jansen again off the two on the home run. Their starter just can't go deep right now. They got Pavetta tonight and they burnt last night was um Martin Winkowski and Jansen gone the last two nights. So, you don't have your three kind of lockdown guys tonight. So they need a big start from Pavetta. And, you know, it was nice to get Monday because that's the first time they beat Tampa down in Tampa since April 22nd of 2022. Like it's been over a year and a half since they went down there and beat Tampa. So it's a nice to get there Monday. But yeah, last night was a disappointing one. And now you got a back bounce tonight. And you're maybe going to have to have, you know, you're going to have somebody else have to close that game out tonight. It's, you know, I don't think he's going to use Jansen three nights in a row if that opportunity comes. So, yeah, for Boston, it's a huge kind of stretch here coming up. And you would like to finish it off and get the rubber match here against Tampa Bay. But that will be tough. And then, yeah, the O's this weekend, they've been playing well all year. So, yeah, t- tough stretch. But, yeah, you got to kind of figure it out. And you got some teams that are ahead of you coming up. And, you know, you got to put yourself in position to, uh, to pass one of those teams going in. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Absolutely. And the, and, the, and the thing is, is, you talk about the stars not going deep in games. Why do they not go out and get a pitcher at the trade deadline? That, that is beyond me. That's a humongous mistake by Ian Bloom. Yeah, they, they, and, and you see what this results in them. This results in them getting swept to the Blue Jays. This results in them getting swept to the Astros. They were right there. They were right there in, in, in July. At the end of July, they were right there. And they've been treading water really ever since that Toronto series because they didn't improve their team. And that's why I consistently say, just like with Brian Cashman at the Yankees, if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, High and Bloom has got to be fired because he had a chance to make this a really, really fun September in Boston. It still might be if they start getting, if they start getting hot, but they had a real chance to make this a fun September. 
and he just didn't do anything at the trade deadline. And I just don't think he should be back as GM if they miss the playoffs. Yeah, I, they're starting to be a little kind of question if he's going to even come back or not. Like, yeah, if, if the Red Sox ownership is going to get rid of him or not. So, yeah, there's there's starting to kind of be some conversation of that happening. So, we'll we'll see if the the ownership kind of pulls the trigger on that. But I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think they got to make a move and kind of get rid of him because yeah, like it's another disappointing trade deadline as you mentioned. Like this team was in position and they didn't go out and help him out and. You know, I mentioned this at that time. Devers, Devers even said too, like every, we know we need pitching. They did not go out and do it. You know, hey, you know, Julio, um, you know, Urias has been a nice player for him. He's done, but they get obviously that's not a guy that's going to put you over the top. But yeah, they needed and help. You saw, and, and you saw what happened with Urias this week. Thank God they didn't go out and get him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, uh, not Julio. Yeah, I'm thinking the other guy. Um. Uh, Luis Urias, the kid Luis from the gotcha, Brewers. Gotcha. That's what that's what gotcha. I meant. They did gotcha. get him. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you know, uh, mess up the name name there, but um, but yeah. So I, I think for the Red Sox, um, yeah, they should have done it, and they were banking on they were banking on Paxton, who struggled lately. They were banking on Taylor to be healthy, and I think they were banking on Corey Kluber to be back healthy. And, and they were banking on the wrong guys. Which, they were banking on these. Yeah. this isn't 2015. They were banking on the wrong guys to to, to be reinforcements. And they definitely have not been reinforcements for this team. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the Yankees kind of did. They kind of, you know, they were wanting to, some of those guys to get back healthy, they thought. And yeah, it just it didn't work out. And you know, it's it's disappointing because yeah, it's the fan base that kind of, you know, thought they could be in the race this year, you know, that they're still in the race, but yeah, kinda thought they had a chance this for this owner for this for Hein Bloom to kind of help them. <laughs> push the team um you know to get one of those wild card spots but yeah he didn't do anything he stayed put like you know he stayed put and you know that offense has been been good but look you know the pitching staff's kind of been their uh their Achilles heel all year you know the bullpen's been good like it's they they need a starter and there's guys out there and available and they just didn't like I know Ebron did not want to go to LA the Dodgers but you know he would have he would have gone to Boston if I I I think he would have gone to Boston if, if the Red Sox wanted to trade for him. Like, I don't think he would have would have declined. Oh, that. he would have so, definitely would have. He would have went. He so, would have went. That's another mistake. Yeah. Erod, Verlander, Scherzer, Julito. He should have all been going. He should have got one of those guys. And that's the most disappointing thing for them is they should have gotten one of those guys. They haven't, and it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. They might not. They're probably not going to finish in last. Who knows? The way the Yankees are playing right now, they might. this might be their, you know, uh, fifth, la- fourth, la- uh, mm-hmm. I think third last place finish in four years. But. Yeah, look, because they didn't go out and make one of these moves, they're probably going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, it it, it seems like it. You, you've dug yourself in a hole, and you got a chance. You got a chance, as you, we've mentioned, you know, Toronto, Texas coming up. But, you know, we'll see. It may be too little too late for this team. And, yeah, you know, with the pitching staff and Toronto's offense right now is starting to heat up. Like, that's not going to be an easy series. And they just swept you. I know they owned them the first couple – the Red Sox owned the first couple series. But, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Red Sox can bounce back and – um figure it out and try to get at least four or five wins against in those six games. But it may, yeah, maybe I think it's be a little bit too late for them. Absolutely. 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 So that's going to wrap it up this week on sports talk with RJ for Justin Anafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking week two of the NFL season, week three of the college football season and the Yankees and Red Sox. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is of his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts 
including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Chowing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting Clovercrestmedia.com.